Section 13 of History of Henry IV, King of France and Navarre by John Stevens Cabot Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 5 Massacre of St. Bartholomew, Part 3. In the midst of these scenes of horror, it is pleasant to record several instances of generous humanity. In the barbarism of those times, dueling was a common practice. A Catholic officer by the name of Vesson, one of the most fierce and irritable men in France, had a private quarrel with a Protestant officer whose name was Regnier. They had mutually sought each other in Paris to obtain such satisfaction as a duel could afford. In the midst of the massacre, Regnier, while at prayers with his servant, for in those days dueling and praying were not deemed inconsistent, heard the door of his room broken open, and looking round in expectation of instant death, saw his foe, Vesson, enter breathless with excitement and haste. Regnier, conscious that all resistance would be unavailing, calmly bared his bosom to his enemy, exclaiming, You will have an easy victory. Vesson made no reply, but ordered the valet to seek his master's cloak and sword. Then, leading him into the street, he mounted him upon a powerful horse, and with fifteen armed men escorted him out of the city. Not a word was exchanged between them. When they arrived at a little grove at a short distance from the residence of the Protestant gentleman, Vesson presented him with his sword and bade him dismount and defend himself, saying, Do not imagine that I seek your friendship for what I have done. All I wish is to take your life honorably. Regnier threw away his sword, saying, I will never strike at one who has saved my life. Very well, Vesson replied, and left him, making him a present of the horse on which he rode. Though the commands which the king sent to the various provinces of France for the massacre were very generally obeyed, there were examples of distinguished virtue in which Catholics of high rank not only refused to imbrue their own hands in blood, but periled their lives to protect the Protestants. The Bishop of Lisieux, in the exercise of true Christian character, saved all the Protestants in the town over which he presided. The governor of Auvergne replied to the secret letter of the king in the following words. Sire, I have received an order under your majesty's seal to put all the Protestants of this province to death, and if, which God forbid, the order be genuine, I respect your majesty still too much to obey you. The king had sent a similar order to the commandant at Bayonne, the Viscount of Orthez. The following noble words were returned in reply. Sire, I have communicated the commands of your majesty to the inhabitants of the town and to the soldiers of the garrison, and I have found good citizens and brave soldiers, but not one executioner. On which account they and I humbly beseech you to employ your arms and our lives in enterprises in which we can conscientiously engage however perilous they may be, we will willingly shed therein the last drop of our blood. Both of these noble-minded men soon very suddenly and mysteriously died. Few entertained a doubt that poison had been administered by the order of Charles. The law of France required that these Protestants should be hunted to death. This was the law promulgated by the king and sent by his own letters missive to the appointed officers of the crown. But there is, there is a higher law than that of kings and courts. Nobly these majestic men rendered to it their allegiance. They sealed their fidelity to this higher law with their blood. 
they were martyrs not fanatics on the third day of the massacre the king assembled the parliament in paris and made a public avowal of the part he had taken in this fearful tragedy and of the reasons which had influenced him to the deed though he hoped to silence all protestant tongues in his own realms in death he knew that the tale would be told throughout all europe he therefore stated in justification of the act that he had as if by a miracle discovered that the protestants were engaged in a conspiracy against his own life and that of all his family this charge however uttered for the moment was speedily dropped and forgotten there was not the slightest evidence of such a design the parliament to give a little semblance of justice to the king's accusations sat in judgment upon the memory of the noble coligny they sentenced him to be hung in effigy ordered his arms to be dragged at the heels of a horse through all the principal towns of france his magnificent castle of chatillon to be raised to its foundations and never to be rebuilt his fertile acres in the culture of which he had found his chief delight to be desolated and sown with salt his portraits and statues were ever found to be destroyed his children to lose their title of nobility all his goods and estates to be confiscated to the use of the crown and a monument of durable marble to be raised upon which this sentence of the court should be engraved to transmit to all posterity his alleged infamy thus was punished on earth one of the noblest servants both of god and man but there is a day of final judgment yet to come the oppressor has but his brief hour there is eternity to right the oppressed notwithstanding this general and awful massacre the protestants were far from being exterminated several nobles surrounded by their retainers in their distant castles suspicious of treachery had refused to go to paris to attend the wedding of henry and marguerite others had gone to paris alarmed by the attack upon admiral coligny immediately retired to their homes some concealed themselves in garrets cellars and wells until the massacre was over as has been stated in some towns the governors refused to engage in the merciless butchery and in others the protestants had the majority and with their arms could defend themselves within the walls which their own troops garrisoned though in the first panic caused by the dreadful slaughter the protestants made no resistance but either surrendered themselves submissively to the sword of the assassin or sought safety in concealment or flight soon indignation took the place of fear those who had fled from the kingdom to protestant states rallied together the survivors in france began to count their numbers and marshal their forces for self-preservation from every part of protestant europe a cry of horror and execration simultaneously arose in view of this crime of unparalleled enormity in many places the catholics themselves seemed appalled in contemplation of the deed they had perpetrated words of sympathy were sent to these martyrs to a pure faith from many of the protestant kingdoms with pledges of determination and efficient aid the protestants rapidly gained courage from all the country they flocked into those walled towns which still remained in their power as the fugitives from france emaciate pale and woe-stricken with tattered and dusty garb recited in england switzerland and germany the horrid story of the massacre the hearts of their auditors were frozen with horror in geneva a day of fasting and prayer was instituted which is observed even to the present day in scotland every church resounded with the thrilling tale 
and knox whose inflexible spirit was nerved for those iron times exclaimed in language of prophetic nerve sentence has gone forth against that murderer the king of france and the vengeance of god will never be withdrawn from his house his name shall be held in everlasting execration the french court alarmed by the indignation it had aroused sent an ambassador to london with a poor apology for the crime by pretending that the protestants had conspired against the life of the king the ambassador was received in the court of the queen with appalling coldness and gloom arrangements were made to invest the occasion with the most impressive solemnity the court was shrouded in mourning and all the lords and ladies appeared in sable weeds a stern and sombre sadness was upon every countenance the ambassador overwhelmed by this reception was overheard to exclaim to himself in bitterness of heart i am ashamed to acknowledge myself a frenchman he entered however the presence of the queen passed through the long line of silent courtiers who refused to salute him or even to honour him with a look stammered out his miserable apology and receiving no response retired covered with confusion elizabeth we thank thee this one noble deed atones for many of thy crimes very different was the reception of these tidings in the court of rome the messenger who carried the news was received with transports of joy and was rewarded with a thousand pieces of gold cannons were fired bells rung and an immense procession with all the trappings of sacerdotal rejoicing paraded the streets anthems were chanted and thanksgivings were solemnly offered for the great victory over the enemies of the church a gold medal was struck off to commemorate the event and charles the ninth and catherine were pronounced by the infallible word of his holiness to be the especial favourites of god spain and the netherlands united with rome in these infamous exaltations philip the second wrote from madrid to catherine these tidings are the greatest and the most glorious i could have received such was the awful massacre of st bartholomew when contemplated in all its aspects of perfidy cruelty and cowardice it must be pronounced the greatest crime recorded in history the victims were invited under the guise of friendship to paris they were received with solemn oaths of peace and protection the leading men in the nation placed the dagger in the hands of an ignorant and degraded people the priests professed ministers of jesus christ stimulated the benighted multitude by all the appeals of fanaticism to exterminate those whom they denounced as the enemies of god and man after the great atrocity was perpetrated princes and priests with blood-stained hands flocked to the altars of god our common father to thank him that the massacre had been accomplished the annals of the world are filled with narratives of crime and woe but the massacre of st bartholomew stands perhaps without a parallel it has been said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church this is only true with exceptions protestantism in france has never recovered from this blow but for this massacre one half of the nobles of france would have continued protestant the reformers would have constituted so large a portion of the population that mutual toleration would have been necessary henry the fourth would not have abjured the protestant faith intelligence would have been diffused religion would have been respected and in all probability the horrors of the french revolution would have been averted god is an avenger in the mysterious government which he wields mysterious only to our feeble vision 
he visits the iniquities of the fathers upon the children even unto the third and fourth generation as we see the priests of paris and of france during the awful tragedy of the revolution massacred in the prisons shot in the streets hung upon the lamp-posts and driven to starvation and woe from the kingdom we cannot but remember the day of st bartholomew the twenty fourth of august fifteen seventy two and the second of september seventeen ninety two though far apart in the records of time are consecutive days in the government of god End of section thirteen